Good evening, Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. Very glad that you folks are here. Let's bow for a brief prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this very good day. Thank you, Lord, that we're meeting together in your name. May we have a, a very good time of worship and learning and prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Spotless are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Pastor. How's everybody doing tonight? You're here, right? Okay. That's that's half the battle, right? All right. So tonight's test night. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-huh, see, see, all right. How many of you brought your cheat sheets? Oh, see, ay, ay, Yeah, but I gave you permission to carry the cheat sheets. All right, well, let's, let's think about this, all right? We're going we're gonna to do a little review because we've been hit and miss for the last few weeks because of everything that's been going on. Pastor Jasper gave a great message last week. Do any of you remember the message? 
unbelief. What did he say about being victims? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no, he said we cannot be victims because we are victors. Right? All right. You guys got to take more fastidious notes. This is getting bad. <laughs> All right. So what are the, what is the temperament? See, you guys don't remember. Not throwing a temper tantrum, Larry. Temperament is a combination of inborn traits that subconsciously affect all our other behaviors. These traits are passed on by our genes. Let me give you a hint. How many people contribute to that gene pool? Six. Six. Parent, both grandparents. Both sets of grandparents, okay? Two parents, four grandparents. Okay, those, those things are sort of hereditary factors that are arranged at birth, okay? Do you remember what character is? What we said character was? Character is the real you. Somebody found their notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, photographic mirroring my eye. First Peter 3, 4. What does it say? The hidden person of the heart. That's who you are. It's a result of that natural temperament being modified from childhood training, education, basic attitudes, basic beliefs, morals, and values. Okay, And the reason I'm doing all this is because as we get into tonight's study, I want you to keep these things in the back of your mind. Right? Personality, personality is the outward expression of oneself. That may or may not be the same as your character because a lot of times people will wear masks. Okay? And we talked about that a little bit. Often, often the personality can be very pleasing but the character can, can that, that personality is a facade because the underlying character is not really who you're seeing. And we see that a lot in the world. Now, we see it in some Christians. Because you can talk to them on Sunday or on Wednesday night, and there'll be one way you see them out in public and you can see some different attitudes and actions demonstrated. So you have to be aware of that. Sometimes that personality, when they wear that mask, it's because they have a weak character. It's not because they're intentionally trying to be mean or rude, crude, crass, or obnoxious. It's just that their character is weak. They haven't had a lot of those basic attitudes, training, and education, and beliefs to, to give them a solid foundation. Okay? So you can't be judgmental. So with that said, I just want you guys to keep those in the back of your mind as we talk about these things. People today, there's a lot of people trying to become one with the universe. What's the best way we can become one with the universe? Become one with the creator. Become absolutely one with the creator. That's the best way we can be. Yeah, no. I'm going to give you guys some scripture verses to look up. 2 Thessalonians 5.23, somebody find that one. 1 Corinthians 7.7. 7. In James 1, 17 and 18. James 1, 17 and 18. 
1 Corinthians 7, 7, and 2 Thessalonians 5, 23. Who has 2 Thessalonians 5, 23? Anybody? Five twenty-three. What's three twenty-three? Maybe I can't even read my own writing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, try first. That's No, it's if I make it worse. Twenty-three. You guys. That's the one. Your whole spirit, soul, and body. Got the wrong number on it. Sorry. That's our wholeness. That's determined by God and His Word. It's not determined by us. We contribute to it, but it's determined, it's predetermined, if you would, by God. That wholeness is a combination of our spirit, soul, and body. Okay? To become whole, we must become close to God. We have to be a part of God. I'm going to talk about that more Sunday, so I don't want to take away from what I'm talking about Sunday. Um, we said that everyone's gifts, when I, when we're, we're backing up a little bit to spiritual gifts for the first part of this. Okay? That's all right. Go ahead and answer it. If it's president, tell him we need some help. <coughs> Everyone is given a unique spiritual gift or set of spiritual gifts, and it's custom-made just for them. But it's how is it to be utilized? We talked about this. For the edification of the church. We're not supposed to hide that gift. We're not supposed to hoard that gift. We're supposed to share it with the rest of the body of Christ. Okay? So, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. What's that one say? Okay. Every single one of us have a unique gift. That gift fits us perfectly. God only gives perfect gifts. Who's got James 1, 17 and 18? That's right. So does that... Does that mean we're special to God? Yeah, it means we're absolutely special to God. It's a situation where Psalms 100 says we are wonderfully made. 139.14 says that. We are wonderfully made. If you go to Psalm 100, verse 3, it said, it is, he, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Listen, we can... We can work to change some of those character and that outward personality but a lot of the temperament is set at birth we always need to remember that but we can we can 
assist God, if we could say it that way, in changing our hearts, our minds, and how we act to other people. And that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people struggle with. How many of you, and I want you to be honest, how many of you react in a lot of situations when you have to step back afterwards and say you should have acted rather than reacted? Yeah, we all do that, right? And it's not, it's not that we actually mean to, but sometimes it gets the best of us. Sometimes uh, the, the circumstances and the things that are going on in life overwhelm us. And we're not, we're not mentally or spiritually prepared for those things. So we have to be really, really careful. Our giftedness is unique because it works basically in the way we think and feel and act. So we're going to talk about that in greater detail. As Christians, our spiritual gift is to help influence the body of Christ and to edify and build up the body of Christ. So does that mean we have just regular old motivations or supernatural motivations? Supernatural motivations, right? So we, we have to put all that in perspective. So that sort of gives you a bird's eye view of some of those things. But God also gifts us in that spiritual gift in those supernatural ways because what we first step we always have to do, and I know that many of you, because you're here on a Wednesday night, have made that decision in your life, is to surrender yourself to the Savior. And we talked about that a little bit. Spiritual gifts are the divine um, enablements, if you would, for us in our lives. And they enable us to help one another. So what happens, and we talked about this a little bit time before last, what happens gifts to edify the body or help glorify the body? Chris? Using their gift, we should encourage them to use their gift instead of hiding it. You know, Absolutely. And to step out and use it. So we heard the church and we don't use it. Does everyone have all the gifts? No. But everybody has a gift, at least one. And God really expects and anticipates they're going to use that gift to help in the body of Christ, to help serve and to serve him. Romans 12.3 says this, Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Why? Because God made each of us to have that perfect particular gift we're to use that gift in the function of the body but we shouldn't think like scripture says well if i'm not the eye i'm not going to participate that becomes problematic so we have to remember that we we have to be humble in all those things now you guys took those spiritual gift assets assessments do you remember what your spiritual gifts are Okay, most everybody does? Okay, that's good. So what did you learn about yourself when you identified those spiritual gifts? I want to hear some feedback on this. First off, did it surprise anybody, some of the spiritual gifts you had? No? Yeah, Kevin, did it surprise you? It did, Jack? How did it surprise you?
Service, more service. Okay, but that's part of outreach. See, a lot of times. And, and that's important to remember. As we change and mature, not only physically but spiritually, some of those spiritual gifts can change. They can be fine-tuned. They can be tweaked. Our one that was strong may not be as strong, but another one may come in and be stronger. So that's all things that we have to remember. Um, would someone look up Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 for me? 4, 11 through 13. Yes, yeah, 13 through 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a So what's, what's the underlying and, and overarching goal for that edification, that building up, that equipping of the church? Did you hear what he said? Say it again. Service is part of it, but there's, but there's, one, there's one primary thing that Warren said. The work of ministry... Glorifying God, all those are components. But there was there was one key word. Unity. Unity. We are to all be complete in Christ, but it all has to do with unity. If you go back and you study carefully God's word, it's all about unity. Because the more unity you have in the church, in the body of Christ, the more the world will look at it and say, well, what have they got that we haven't got? And how do we get that? That's the key. That's a hard thing for any group. I mean, when you, when you get two or three people together, you're going to have varying opinions. When you get 20 or 30 people together, you're going to have even more varying opinions and more opportunity for conflict. That's why the last time we talked, we, we talked about conflict resolution management, how to do that, what to do how to do it from a biblical perspective and how few churches actually do it that way. And that's, I think that's why a lot of churches have so many issues, personally. Um, let's talk about the personality types for just a second and then we're going to get into some fun stuff. Um, the spiritual gift types and the personality types often are, are co-joined or married together. Let me give you an example. Um, 
DNC types personalities, uh, and, and we're going to learn what those are here in just a second. They have the gift of prophecy and administration. Remember the D is more direct, domineering, driving, and the C is more cautious, critical. Um, so, so they're more into that administration side. The I's and the X's, S's rather, they're the influencers, they're the supporters. Those are the ones that are the exhorters. They want to bring everybody up to speed about what's going on. And then the gift of teaching, of course, that C characteristic comes out on that one too. But there's many, many times when you have a, uh, a personality characteristic, temperament, that does not fit the spiritual gift. Think about Jeremiah. Think about the prophet Jeremiah. He was known as the weeping prophet. But yet if you, if you sat down and you really looked at his temperament, his temperament wouldn't be like that. So all those things come into play. His personality was different. He was very submissive, very quiet, had very demure. So we have to remember we can't put God in a box. So when we get, and I did order those books, when we get the booklets and we do the personality profiles and you guys have the opportunity to do that and you really look at those, you're going to see sometimes that you won't always, like Jack said, you know, where you were strong in your spiritual gift, you may not be as strong in your personality side of it, your temperament side of it. So think about that. So I'm going to hand these out, and I want you guys to, if I can pick them up. Would you hand some of these out, Kevin, on that side? Thank you, Rob. Before we jump into that, let's talk just about service for a second. Um, God gives us those gifts and those temperament and that personality and characteristics to serve him. We all agree on that. But how many of you have ever studied the word gift from Scripture? Do you know where it cam comes from? Bill? Oh, you were after a sheet. Okay. Get, gift, gift, gift in the Greek comes from the word charis, and it relates to the emotion of joy. And we have to think about this for a second because, once again, joy and happiness are similar, but they're not the exact same thing. And that's something else when we talk about Sunday, so I don't want to get too carried away here. God created for us the experience of real joy not just happiness remember what pastor jay said happiness is a happening thing so it, it 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 can come and go where real joy is more grounded and that's the best way i can say it right now without giving too much of sunday's stuff away um true joy only comes through jesus the world, those, that, those unbelievers that don't have Jesus in their heart, 
can never experience true joy from a biblical standpoint. And that's sort of sad. Um, grace is given to us not only because of our undeserved mercy, but it's, it's also given to us to do God's will and to have his strength, his power to do what he wants us to do, to serve him, like you guys said earlier. Okay? John 12, 26 says this, we glorify him best. No, this is, this is not what it says. We glorify him best when we use the giftedness of ministry. It says this, if any man serve, serve me, he will also my father honor. So when we serve in Jesus' name, we're honoring Jesus, we're honoring the Father. Always works that way. Have you ever exercised your spiritual gift before we talk about this profile, the profile information you have in front of you? Have any of you experienced really genuine, heartfelt joy when you're using your spiritual gifts? And if so, what have you, what have you experienced? Any of you share that with us? Say it again, Robbie. Okay. What 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 have you experienced? Say it a little louder. Lightheartedness. Okay. Yeah. Satisfaction. Chris. I guess all of that when I'm teaching and I see somebody get it. Okay. Then it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It makes you feel so good good way to phrase it. It's very affirming. Okay, so as we look at this sheet, I want you to look at the DICS side first. And this is, this is a little memory sheet for you guys till we get the books. Okay? Um, if you remember the D behaviors, they're very direct, driving, demanding. Those I behaviors are very inspiring and influencing. They're interactive. Um, and both of those D and I's are the active, outgoing people. They will typically talk your ear off if they have a chance. Okay? And the D's are more task-oriented, where the I's are more people-oriented. But if you look at the bottom half, and the C-type personalities, the C-type temperament, they're cautious, competent, calculating. They would be more your bookkeepers and accountants, like we talked about. But they're very passive. They're, they're task-oriented, but they're very passive. They like to work behind the scenes. A lot of C's do. And the S's are very people-oriented, but they're very shy and steady and stable. They like security. Yeah, sure it is, Jack. I heard what you said. That's me. Yeah, no. Ah. 
The D behaviors, they're known as polarics. And I'm going to read a sheet to you guys and show you some things here in a minute that, that you'll think are pretty humorous. And that choleric is, came from uh, Hippocrates. So, so when we think about that, he is the father of modern medicine, which basically came up with these definitions initially. So the I behavior is known as sanguines, and you see all their basic motivations, their desires, how they respond to the particular leaders, what they need to learn from a biblical standpoint, and it gives some bi practical biblical advice in regard to those. Um, the C's are melancholies, and of course the S's are phlegmatics. And again, that's those, those, those particular things, those first things I've underlined there, that was from Socrates. So if you look at your second sheet, second part of that sheet, the DISC, the questions they want answered. The Ds want to know what, the Is want to know who, and the Ss want to know how, and the Cs want to know why. And that's how you read this sheet. And they're characterized by those colors. That is part of a multitude, and I'm going to read some of those to you in a minute. A multitude, there's 25 current assessment techniques for, for temperaments. And I'm going to read some of those to you because they're pretty humorous here in a minute. Um, they're most like the animals. Ds are like Dobermans. They get a halt to something, they won't let it go. Eyes are like fluffy puppies. S's are like cats. I don't know where they came up with tropical fish for the seas, I guess because they're curious. I don't know. Um, most likely the car they want to buy. You see a Mercedes, a Cadillac, convertible, van. Toyota or Honda. Those C's, remember I told you, those, those C's are the ones that are the bookkeepers, the accountants. They're very practical. Um, look at their mottos. The D's, go for it. I's, oh, lighten up. The S's, one for all and all for one. Remember, they want that steady, stable, secure. You know, they, they, they like community. Uh, the C's, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. They're the cautious ones. They're the... They're the they're the ones that are really concerned that something's going to fall apart. Uh, favorite songs, you know, those D-type personalities. And the, and the D and the I's would be considered A-type personalities. So you guys understand that, those that may know about that. Um, I did it my way. I is celebration. S, precious memories, are let the circle be unbroken. And C is the gambler. Their philosophies, the D's, I want it yesterday. It's like, Lord, give me patience and give me now. You know, that type of attitude. I is let the good times roll. I are your party animals. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I hear you over there, Robbie. <laughs> S is working together, we can do it. Again, they like that sense of community. C, again, they're cautious, they're calculating. Don't show all your cards. Favorite magazines, the D's want money, the I's want people, the S's want us, people, magazine, or Reader's Digest. Okay? And the C's want consumer reports. They want to know why is it happening the way it's happening. 
I saw a bumper sticker, a, a little logo on the back of a guy's car today, and I had to laugh. It said, it said, the current price of gas, and it was set up like one of those gas signs. Regular, <laughs> LOL, <laughs> 9.10. Premium, OMG, 9.10. Diesel, IDK, 9.10. Sterile, all those acronyms for those text messages, you know, laugh out loud. Just, it's amazing the things that people come up with. All right, so I'm going to go this way. All right. This other list I had, oops, it's over here, which I'm going to read to you. I just want you guys to listen. So Hippocrates came up with the sanguine, choleric, melancholy, phlegmatic. The, let's see, oh, here's four. Frau Walling, that's a German particular one. The sanguines are known as butterflies. The D-type personalities are known as elephants because they can't be moved. The melancholies are like frogs because they're always hopping around. And the uh, phlegmatics are like turtles because they're slow to make a decision. Um, Jack Williams, they, they talk about the eyes as being talkative. The D's is being impulsive, the melancholies is being deliberative, and the phlegmatics, of course, those S-type personalities is being timid. Uh, the San Delaney process calls them promoters, controllers, analyzers, and supporters. So they all have different things that they go by. Um, Peter Costas, they talk about golf personalities and uh, the sanguines are fuzzy zoller. I know, don't know if many of you guys golf or gals. Uh, the choleric D-type personality is Tom Kite. The melancholies are C, David Graham. And uh, Ben Crenshaw is the phlegmatic S-type personality. The, uh, the activity vector analysis calls sanguines very friendly. He calls the cholerics, the D's, very aggressive. He calls the melancholies very prudent. And he calls the phlegmatics very reserved. Uh, Robert Bramson, which uses military technology, or terminologies, rather, says that the I-type personalities are exploders. The D-type personalities are Sherman tanks. The C-type personalities are snipers, and the phlegmatics, uh, S-type personalities, are indecisive stallers. So there's a lot of different things on there. Uh, Larry Crabb, which does, Larry Crabb is a Christian psychologist. I don't know if any of you have heard of him, but I, I went to several of his classes when I was working on my counseling certificates. Um, he calls the sanguines very emotional. He calls the cholerics, the D-type personalities, uh, volitional. He calls the melancholies, the C's, rational. And he calls the S-type phlegmatics very personal. Uh, Rogers Hagree says, the eyes are Miss Sunshine. 
The D's are mishelpful. The C's are misneat. And the S's are misshy. So they've all got, like I said, there's 25 different variations of this. So what you have on your sheet on the front is one from Uniquely You, and it says that on it. But this is a typical DICS temperament explanation sheet. So when we get those booklets and we do those, you'll have a better gain on what that really means. So you can look at that. Somebody suggested I give you guys that so it's a little easier for you to understand. Okay. Um, one of the things that they talk about, we're going to talk about once we get those profiles done, is that you need to work on balancing those active and passive tendencies because sometimes they get out of balance and we try to push too hard. We need to also work on controlling the task-oriented parts. That's something that I, I need to do because sometimes I can get so focused on the task that needs to be done, I pass right by people. And sometimes I hurt people's feeling by not standing and talking to them and you know, saying an encouraging word or something. And, but I get that task stuck in my head and I gotta get it out of there. Um, another thing it says is you need to make sure that instead of thinking about me or you, you think about what you need to do to seek to be conformed to Christ as you work those temperaments and you work those things. All right, so the last part of this, and then we'll go into some prayer time. You know, while we look at those spiritual gifts, discovering those things is really fun and fascinating, and we understand that. But we need to remember the reason that we're given those gifts and he talks about it again in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It's to glorify God with our body and our spirit and our soul. He talks about it over and over again. He, uh, the Bible also admonishes us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God in Romans 12. We're to discover what's acceptable to God and use those things to serve God. So that's an ongoing process. It doesn't ever end. Sometimes it'll shift and change a little bit because of a change in temperament or a change in maybe life experience or what's going on in your life, but it never ends. So I've got to ask you a couple of closing questions here. Why is giving God your giftedness important to discovering the will of God in our lives? Why do we have to? God gives us the gift, the spiritual gift that he gives us. But when he gives us that spiritual gift, why is it important to give it back to him as we serve him to, to discover his will? To prove that we love him? That's one of the reasons. Yeah, Warren? Okay. Yeah. Amen. Barry, did you have something? To be, be more, more effective. effective. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. To make sure we do the joint and sew how God has intended. Yeah. Sometimes discovering God's will is a journey in and of itself, right? But once we discover it, if we don't do it, what's that called? 
negligence, but what would God call it? Sin, disobedience, that's right. Yeah, once we understand, sometimes we, we don't understand. But once we understand, if we don't do it, that's sin. And sometimes that's hard for us to deal with. We don't, we don't like really calling sin, sin sometimes, do we? I mean, when's the last time you heard somebody said, you know, I really sinned and I really, I really, I really messed up. And I have to, I, I had to get before God and I had to pray about that and ask his forgiveness. And then I had to go to this person and ask their forgiveness. And then, you know, see, the, the, the neat thing about asking for forgiveness is once you ask forgiveness, years ago, years ago, I asked somebody for forgiveness for something. And they said, I'll never forgive you. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that because now that responsibility lies on your shoulders because I asked for forgiveness. And I, I, I'm willing to make restitution in any way you see fit within reason. And, and, but I said, I, I can't do any more if you won't even entertain the idea of forgiving me. And unfortunately, they'll have to bear the consequence of that. Not me, because I've done what I can do on that one. But when you, if you do that and they accept that forgiveness, then a brother or sister has been restored. And so have you. See, that's the hard part. Um, Ephesians 4.15 says we have to speak the truth in love so that we may grow in Christ. We always have to do that. What, did, what it was said earlier, we're not supposed to be tossed to and fro as, as children of God. He doesn't want us in a, in a situation of chaos or, or, or uncertainty. He wants us to where we know what we're doing, we're paying attention to his will, we're being obedient, and we're following his will. That's, that's, that's what he asks of us. That's what he expects of us. So how will discovering and exercises your giftedness and, now I'm talking about your spiritual giftedness, and learning your temperament uh, help the church? The combination of the two. How will those help the church? If we join together and work together, okay. Yeah, that's one way, Mitch. What else? Mary? Anybody else? Just not sure. <laughs> Glenn. That's one of the that's one of the things that I always try to explain to people when when they're upset with somebody else about some some sin that they see in somebody else's life or some problem that they've had in a, maybe a family member's life. 
and they're, they're very upset with that person, I always want to make sure and ask them, well, do you know all the rocks that they're toting on the sack that they're carrying? Because there's, there's a lot of people that are carrying a lot of baggage. And sometimes we don't know all the baggage they're carrying. And it's very easy for us to cross over that line and become judgmental. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and, and you guys just go away and think about it. Usually the sin we see in someone else that we really detest is a sin that we have in ourselves. And we just don't want to admit it. That's the hard part. And it's, it's it, because it so aggravates us that, and frustrates us that, that we have that sin in our life when we see someone else practicing that sin in their life. And I'm not talking about an occasional, I'm talking about practicing that sin. That, that becomes a real issue because you've moved from being non-judgmental to judgmental. And Scripture says we're not supposed to do that. You gotta, you, we got to be careful. Um, do you guys remember the first day of Pentecost in the Bible? Was it all organized? In no way. <laughs> it was chaos. Can you imagine, you know, when we have that call of commitment, after we look at those personality profiles and after we look at some of the other things, the spiritual gifts, and you tie all those together, you know, we look at a call for commitment, and that could be our day of Pentecost when we have to make a decision of how to serve God and serve God more appropriately. But what happens when, when you anticipate and think everybody is going to, everything and everybody is going to be completely organized and every, all the ducks are going to fall in a row? Does it usually happen that way? No. And when we go to serve others, it typically is never that way. And we just have to remember that. Listen, none of us are perfect. We all make we all make honest mistakes. Sometimes we sin. Now we're supposed to become sinless, not without any sin, but sinless as we mature in Christ. That's the whole ultimate goal. Somebody look up Deuteronomy thirty nineteen for me. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. While you're looking that up, or while somebody's looking that up, let me ask the rest of you a question. How do you gauge success in the Christian's life? Let's just think about that question for a second. How do you gauge success in the Christian's life? What would you say it is? Say it again. Walking as close as you can to the Lord. Mary? Okay, how you seeing how you see others serve, and not only the church community but in the family, someone else, integrity, joy. joy, okay, who's got it? Who's got through the spirit? Who's got Deuteronomy? You got it, Dennis. Okay, nineteen.
that basis, that's the basis of success. We have to choose to live. Listen, happiness is a choice. You can either wake up tomorrow morning and you can say, oh, what a day. Or you can wake up and say, oh, what a day. And it's all in your attitude. It starts with your attitude. It starts with your heart. Where is your heart? Is your heart close to God? Or is your heart far away from God? Are you using your spiritual gifts or are you hoarding your spiritual gifts? You've got a general idea by looking at that DISC temperament profile page what you probably are. And I, I bet you that when we get the assessments and you do those, it'll come pretty close. Because you know pretty much who you really are inside. But are you putting into practice what God has given you? That's the question tonight. Listen, su success in Christian life only comes through living the life that he's giving us, being obedient, making sure we're yielding to the Holy Spirit's control, and putting into practice what he's allowed us to be able to put into practice. It's that simple. A lot of times I think we make it too complicated in our own minds, you know. Okay, so he says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Now Paul is talking, we know that. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If we keep that thought in mind and we are like Paul in that perspective, then we can put fully into practice Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if we don't, then we're going to get stuck in a rut. And you know the problem with the rut? If you keep going back and forth, you're eventually going to dig a hole six foot deep. That's another issue. We don't want that. Scripture tells us in the beginning, God created. God created. Colossians 3.23 says this. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto Christ, not unto men. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatsoever things you do, do it all to the glory of God. And that's what we need to keep in mind. As we look at all this human behavior stuff and we look at the science behind some of this stuff, and, and I know there's some churches that says, well, you shouldn't believe in any science. Well, I'm sorry. I believe that God gave man the intelligence that we need to look at all things, but we're to weigh those things. And we're to try to understand those things and how those things fit together in God's universe. So if, if, it's, if it's objectionable to you, then, then don't deal with it. That's your prerogative. You can say yes or no. You get to choose. So the next time somebody starts criticizing you or dumping on you in some way, you just tell them, look, your, your whole goal, your whole mindset is to serve Jesus as best you possibly can. And if it's positive criticism... And, uh, and uh, or it's, if it's if it's true criticism, I should say, then and you may need to make course corrections, then make them. But if it's not, then 
put it where it belongs, in the dump. Okay? Don't let people do that to you. All right. So we're finished with that for tonight. We're going to go into prayer time. Do you guys have a middle song or no? Just a closing song? Okay. All right. So let's take some prayer requests. And praises, if you have some.